I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes? PR comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked someone really quickly about at an event or while making a brew in the office. This episode, we're joined by Alexa Heinrich, social media manager for St. Petersburg College in Florida and a passionate advocate for creating accessible and inclusive content for social media. Alexa has presented educational webinars to the likes of Harvard University, John Deere, GoFundMe, among many others. She recently launched an amazing website, Accessible Social, a resource hub for digital marketers, comms pros and content creators, and is one of the voices behind Sipping Social Tea. Alexa, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So let's jump straight in with a big question. Why is accessibility on social media so important and how can organisations make it just part of what they do rather than seen as like sort of a bolt-on activity? Accessibility means that everyone can join in on a conversation no matter their ability. So if they have a vision disability, a hearing disability, a cognitive disability, they can still access your content. So as digital marketers and content creators, that's the biggest thing to us is that we want as many people as possible to read, hear our messages. So accessibility is huge, not only from we care about people, but also from a marketing standpoint. And the best way to start making your content accessible and uh, moving forward is just jump in. Uh, It's really not that hard to make your content accessible. It's just knowing where to start, which is why I launched my website, because when I learned about it, it was really hard for me to find information that applied to social media. Everything that I was finding was for web accessibility and websites, web pages, that sort of thing. And I needed very specific information. So I built my website to be a easy starting point for digital marketers, comms professionals, and content creators, and even everyday social media users. So when it comes to like making um, accessibility a core part of your social strategy, what do you feel are the most important things to get right from the get-go, like the starting blocks? Well, it's not just the responsibility of the people who push the final button to publish content. It's the responsibility of everyone. And when everyone up and down the chain of command is educated on accessibility, it's easier to make that part of your process because it's not just you repeating over and over again why it's important. It's everyone supporting you in that mission to make accessible content. So, you know, your copywriting is accessible, your images are accessible, your videos are accessible. And when people are giving you that content, they also understand the importance and it's not all on you, again, as the final button pusher. Accessibility police, right? (laughs) Exactly. So like, do you do a lot of training with the academics and and people like that you work with? Um, I do a little bit. For the most part, I don't really need to just because at this point, they kind of understand the kind of content that I need, which is really nice. So I used to get a lot of flyers sent to me with the expectation that I was going to post those flyers. Now the email is usually, I know you're not going to post the flyer, but here's all the pertinent information you need to craft your content, which is perfect. I even get some uh, content stakeholders who will send me images and be like, oh, I wrote the alt text for you. I hope that's okay. I'm like, yes, that's okay. (laughs) Please do that every time. That's wonderful. So plus I have a really great team that I work on in the marketing department here at the college. So the video team is, you know, highly trained and know that they either need to caption the video for me. They need to send me an SRT captions file. They know the drill. So it's, it's a highly qualified team that I get to work with, which is 
amazing because not every higher education social media professional can say that. And so sticking with social media, um, where are organizations getting it wrong when it comes to accessible social? Images definitely are still the sticking point with a lot of organizations because they don't really understand the importance of alt text. They don't know how to write it. There's hesitation about how to write it. Am I writing it the wrong way? Um, that and social media just moves so fast that a lot of people who work in it just kind of forget, you know, until Twitter rolled out their alt text badge. Alt text was the invisible uh, accessibility practice. We see captions. That's the whole point of them. But alt text was kind of hidden in the background. So it's definitely images that organizations have a long way to go before they're consistently doing it. Even elected officials here in the United States consistently don't make their images accessible, which to me is just wild because if you're in election season, why wouldn't you want to reach more people? (laughs) So plus they should just care about their constituents. In terms of social media, um, and we know organisations like on their channels, they like to do things like GIFs and memes and emojis. And we've seen examples with last year with people putting red flags on. Those kind of things can often cause issues if somebody's using a screen reader or something else to help them, like immersive reader. How can we all improve on what we're posting when it comes to social media? Understanding how different icons, characters, um, different visuals, how that impacts someone who is using assistive technology like a screen reader, that is crucial, which is why a lot of times when I train people or I give presentations or I'm just ranting on Twitter, I really like to do the screen recordings of my text-to-speech program reading some content aloud, and that really drives a point home. Um, I just recently spoke at a conference and I have lots of those demo videos in my presentation and the look on everyone's face is always priceless when they experience that. So I feel like that is uh, really crucial is just, you know, knowing that you shouldn't do it, but knowing why you shouldn't do it and what it sounds like when you do something bad. So like emojis, they all have little descriptors coded to them. So they get read aloud. Um, Some characters just aren't read by assistive tech, like alternative characters. I just discreetly yelled at a brand earlier today for using alternative characters. So yeah, just kind of understanding the how and why behind these accessible practices is, is, you know, helpful to progress. What do you mean by alternative characters? So if you if you see a post um, that has like uh, bolded text or italicized text or sometimes it's a script font on social media and you've ever wondered, oh, I wonder how they got that. They went to an external website. They input what they wanted their copy to be. And then a font generator gave them you know, options for what it could look like. And they chose what they wanted. So either, you know, a bold or maybe it's got serif or it's italicized or in script fonts. They copied and pasted it and it it does pop up on social media, but not all assistive devices can read those characters. So either they're going to be skipped completely or they get turned into indistinguishable noises or a different language completely from what the written language is. So I do not recommend using those at all. Plus, as a huge typography snob, most of them are very ugly. 
So <laughs> I, I don't like them. There's a script font where the letters are all like completely spaced apart from each other. I'm like, what did you do to this script font? Who hurt you? Why would you do this? From a branding standpoint, this not none of it looks on brands for anyone using it. So yeah, just all around, don't use them. We're not fans of Comic Sans. We're just, you know, we, we're all friends here. Um, it's a really good point, And I really like the, your um, suggestion that even just helping people experience what people would experience themselves using a screen reader is really helpful. Certainly with documents, like, you know, like your point around like people sending you a flyer saying, can you put this up? Just things like clip art on PDFs and things like that, just trying to progress alternatives and saying it's not because we don't want to share the content but this is how else you might be able to do that what are your suggestions for even kind of trawling through your website and just helping people understand like is it word documents is it just making sure it sits on another page like there are some basic things on your website like advice things like that aren't there so the most basic things when it comes to accessibility the easiest places to start hashtags alt text captions and emoji. Those are always kind of the easiest areas because they're the biggest parts of social media. Those are definitely the four things that we really see a lot of on social media. So camel case hashtags, very easy to do. That's when you capitalize the first letter in each word of a compound hashtag. And that's actually easier for literally everyone to read, no matter the status of your vision, just how our eyes track movement. Um, Emoji, again, just putting them at the end of posts and tweets because they all have little descriptors applied to them. So you never know what one is going to be described as. Could be something interesting that you didn't intend. (laughs) Be off brand. Um, Yeah, I always point people towards the um, eggplant emoji because of how it's been used over the years. It actually has a couple different descriptors that are applied to it. And I really like using the website emojipedia.org because it'll show you all of that icons descriptors, which is really nice. Um, Again, alt text for images so that screen readers pick up on it. And then of course, captioning your videos, which is probably the most well-known accessible practice that anyone has ever heard of because we've been yelling about that one for years and it's very obvious to people. And I love how many sites now offer really simple captioning services as well. Like it's become a lot more easy to do as well. Like it, mm-hmm. if you kind of embed it in the process. Um, your advocacy for accessible social, um, a lot of amazing content you share and your new accessible social website. This is um, on top of your day job. Um, how has this grown to be what it is? Tell us a little bit about the new site and the resources we can find on there. Accessible social kind of came about because I'm in the process of writing and editing a book about accessible social. And my biggest worry when I'm writing this book is that I'm writing about technology that changes a lot and platforms that change a lot. So as I'm writing it, I started to sweat over the fact that, oh my gosh, it's going to be outdated as soon as I publish it. What do I do? And I had information on my personal website about accessible social media practices, But I was also highly aware of the fact that my own website wasn't as accessible as it could be because I'm not a web developer. My skills lie within content creation. So I decided that I wanted to separate that portion out from my personal website because I wanted it to be about accessible social media practices and not so much about me. I just wanted to really separate the two and make something that complemented the book. So 
yeah, the book might become outdated. There might be parts that aren't relevant anymore, but I can easily update that on the website. The website gets updated all the time. I just updated it this morning with something. So that's how this website came about. And it's really just all the information that I've already shared over the years over blog posts and LinkedIn and ranting on Twitter. So it was it was an easy step forward. It took me six weeks to make it, but it was still an easy step forward for me to decide I need a website that is solely dedicated to accessible social media practices that works as a good starting point for anyone who wants to learn about this. Because like I said, when I started learning about accessible social media practices, I had to skip around the internet because there wasn't like one central hub with all the information that I needed. So I'm trying to make it easier for future generations to learn about. You've amassed a huge following on uh, social media tea with people anonymously sharing their experiences. How did you start that and, and what have you learned since setting it up and how has it grown or evolved? Social media tea started as like a fever dream, I'm pretty sure, at like 2 a.m. of, oh, I should do this. Um, but I, I was very familiar with the um, phenomenon that was post secrets when that was really popular where people would mail-in postcards with their secrets, essentially, and they would get posted. So I started thinking, well, what if we did that, but we're social media professionals? And I'm seriously just lying in bed at like 2 a.m. thinking about it. And then I decided, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I launched the Instagram account in June of 2020 when social media professionals had a lot to complain about, (laughs) a lot to vent about. Um, with the being in the thick of the pandemic. And it just really took off once people kind of found it. Um, And we just keep growing and going. And that's, it's been amazing. It's been wild. I still am shocked that the Twitter account has over 20,000 followers already. So, but it's been a really great experience. And me and my business partner, Austin, have just been really floored by some of the confessions that we get from people. And a lot of it is around, you know, mental health within our industry and social media professionals needing more support, more bandwidth, more resources, more respect. So it's, it's been quite an experience. And I get a lot of people telling me that it's a cathartic therapeutic experience for them to read our content, which was Never really my intention. I thought it would be kind of funny. And now it's the unofficial therapy site for social media professionals. It's got a lovely balance, though, because it is hilarious. There's some great confessions on there. Like, <laughs> so funny. And you, and you can kind of roll your eyes and you think, I can imagine that person saying, like, a person I've worked with saying that or asking for that. But like you say, it's really um, become a really nice space where people can share, like, I'm not getting a break from this. You know, it's I have to read these type of messages. And I think definitely we've touched on it before about you know having those kind of that break from social media or how do you help teams um shut off from like trolling or whatever they're dealing with at that time like it's it's a lot right it's um yeah yeah, it's a great account (laughs) thank you yeah we're very proud of it and it's just it's nice to see it keep growing and the support that it does get so I'm glad that it's a, a positive point for a lot of people 
And um, so as well as checking out Accessible Social, we'll obviously link that up in the show notes um, for lots of resources and advice. Are there any brands or organisations that you look to and say, yeah, they're really standing out in terms of examples of like doing things really well? So it's kind of funny. I get that question a lot. And I've started to try to compile different brands that I notice, you know, doing accessible practices. One that is really funny to me, it's not so much a brand, it's a I don't know how we would term this one, but it's the dog rates Twitter. It writes alt text for all of their images and it's very good. Um, So that's very funny to read through. But people started pointing it out to me once they saw the alt text badge on Twitter, which is now public. I was like, oh, I know they've been they've been doing it for a while before this badge was out there. So it was really interesting for people to pick up on that now. Um, Another one that I can think of is the Wheel of Time show on Amazon Prime. So when they post their like short promo videos, they don't always have a lot of dialogue. So what they will do is they'll thread a written description of their video to the original video tweet so that people who are blind or low vision can understand what's going on in this video that they can hear, but there's not a whole lot of dialogue or directional information happening. I can't remember the full name of it, but it's like the U.S. Consumer Protection Agency, I think is the name of it. They post these really wild photoshopped images that are just outlandish and really funny. And then they write the alt text for it, which alt text is already kind of, you know, a creative process, but then you Photoshop this really strange image that doesn't, it just makes no visual sense. And then to describe it is uh, very impressive. So I really like the content. I think with alt text, people get really scared that they have to make it quite formal. And I think if you think about it as a piece of content to consume, it can be really like fun if you need it to be fun, or it should just be used as another piece of copyright to a person experiencing it. Yeah, as long as you're making it accessible, you can you know, add some personality to it. Jeep did a really nice ad in February for the big football game. And it, was, it wasn't it was like during the game, but they, they had it out. So it didn't appear on TV. But um, my friend sent it to me and said, this commercial is great from like a visual creative standpoint, but turn the captions on. So it was no uh, dialogue, but it was animals in this wildlife Jeep ad making the noises to this song. And then their captions described the animal noises and did it really well. Like very funny, great humor to it. So it was nice to see, you know, a big brand like Jeep say, we want to be creative and engaging, but we also want to be creative with how we make this as accessible as possible. Love that. Well, thanks so much for um, spending some time with us today. That was really, really great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe so others can find us. Find us on Twitter at Rebecca7Roberts and at Harriet Smallsey.